This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. It just so happens to be my show. I know, I know you're thinking Eric Erickson. Is that his real name? Yes, it actually is. The phone number, if you'd like to be a part of the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. There is good news for Joe Biden. To understand the good news for Joe Biden, let us first review the bad news for Joe Biden. More people have died of COVID-19 in the United States with Joe Biden as president than with Donald Trump as president. That's not a good headline. You know, th- this is the galling part of media bias that, that bothers me, the partisan level of that bias. If Donald Trump were president, all of these deaths would be on his head and it would be a nonstop cavalcade of coverage. Keep in mind, down in Georgia, Brian Kemp was the first governor of the 50 governors to reopen his state. Donald Trump blasted him. National health care officials blasted him. The, the hometown paper in Atlanta there, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, did an editorial on the front page of the paper attacking him. And he doubled down and he opened the state anyway. The Atlantic Magazine did a cover story on uh, Georgia's essential gamble with people. Uh, there, I think it was uh, Georgia's uh, experiment in human sacrifice is how they called it, putting profits ahead of people. It turned out okay for the state, actually, and, and no one ever came back and said, hey, Brian Kemp, I'm sorry for the character assassination. Same thing happened with Ron DeSantis in Florida when he then opened the state. People forget Kemp opened before all the the love affair with DeSantis on the right. It was Kemp who opened Georgia first. But the media treated Ron DeSantis as a ghoul. They attacked him, claimed he was helping Publix grocery stores when he wasn't. Attacked him with the Delta surge, attacked him for not no masks, attacked him for being anti-vaccine when he was campaigning around the state for vaccines. They made it really personal against Republicans, and they've ignored the, the climbing amounts of COVID in blue states as the weather's cooled down. And they have patently refused to blame Joe Biden. There was no vaccine when Donald Trump was president. And the health care power belongs to the states, not the federal government. Yet all the deaths were Donald Trump's fault and none of the deaths are Joe Biden's fault. To be honest, fair and clear here, it is not the fault of Donald Trump nor the fault of Joe Biden that people get COVID and die. People have to be responsible for themselves, not Uncle Sam, Joe Biden, Donald Trump. They're not, they're not daddy. You may want them to be daddy, but they're not. 
but more COVID deaths have occurred on Joe Biden's watch despite having three good vaccines in this country than under Donald Trump's watch. It's not good news. Then there's the Afghanistan situation. Uh, the, what is it, the, the San Jose Unified School District in California had said originally it had two dozen students trapped in Afghanistan. It now says the number is 41. There are 41 students, American students of Afghan descent, most but not all of Afghan descent, who are in Afghanistan, who go to the school district, who are trapped, who cannot get out of Afghanistan. The Biden administration and the State Department are not doing anything to help. uh, World Magazine, for which I am now a columnist, they have a story by Mindy Bells. It just went live a little while ago. Jennifer Cervantes and her husband Juan run their law firm out of restored building in historic downtown Fredericksburg, Virginia. The couple, both graduates of Liberty University Law School, have had an eclectic client roster handling immigration cases, businesses, and nonprofits, but the crisis in Afghanistan has overwhelmed their practice. Cervantes found herself yanked into the unfolding drama of the U.S. withdrawal operation out of the Kabul International Airport in August after 20 years of war. A client asked for her help getting out his three brothers, all of whom worked for the U.S. government. Cervantes dropped everything to put together paperwork for the State Department so the men could board flights. The firm began to help other Afghans moments after the August 26th bombing at the Kabul airport. Cervantes was on the phone directing 18 women and their children to find another way into the airport. They climbed over dead bodies to reach another entry, and for the next 35 hours, their Virginia attorney stayed with them by phone. At gate after gate, U.S. soldiers turned away, even with papers in their hands and their names on flight manifests. One of the women, 20 weeks pregnant, became sick from exhaustion and dehydration and miscarried. The United States government and the Biden administration are blocking Afghans with legitimate fears for their life. Josh Youssef of Help the Persecuted came on with me yesterday. They have 600 Christians. They are trying to evacuate from Afghanistan. Some have already been raped. Others have seen loved ones murdered in front of them. They're trying to get them out of the country. The Biden administration is blocking their ability to get these people out. Afghanistan is not the good news for Joe Biden. At the border, 15,000 Haitians were let in. A lot of them with COVID. Some of them will come down with it later. None of them vaccinated. The Biden administration refused to have them vaccinated before letting them run wild in the country. They don't have trackers on them. They don't have like the the little uh, ankle bracelets like people do when they're on probation or detention or house arrest. Nope, nope. They were freely allowed into the United States of America through an unsecured border the Biden administration said was secured. And now they're allowed to roam freely pending a court date. More than half of them will not show up for their court date. That's the statistics. More than half of people who are told to show up for a deportation hearing do not do so. 15,000 Haitians, some of whom have COVID, put on buses roaming free in America. And guess what? There are 30,000 more people headed to the border in a mass wave of human migration Colombians, Venezuelans, Haitians, and others are working their way up from Panama. The Panamanian foreign minister came to the United States to meet with Secretary Mayorkas 
the Homeland Security Secretary, to tell him a wave of humanity is headed to the American border. You must do something. He has done nothing. Her cries have fallen on deaf ears. The wave of humanity still approaches every day. It gets closer. And they, too, will cross the border at Del Rio, Texas. Gas prices are up. Gas prices continue to go higher. Here in the Atlanta, Georgia area, they're getting over $4 now. They are on track to be the highest gas prices ever in this country, even higher than when Jimmy Carter is president. Here is Jen Psaki at the White House. I certainly hope not. I mean, I think what COP26 is about is to continue the the conversation uh, on the international stage at the leader level uh, that has been going on below the leader level continuously, basically, about our need to work together to address the climate crisis. Uh, One of the greatest national security crises, the presidencies, a number of other world leaders agree on that front. Certainly, we all want to keep gasoline prices low, uh, but uh, the threat of the crisis, uh, the climate crisis, certainly can't wait any longer. We want to keep gas prices low, but the threat of the climate crisis can't wait any longer. Joe Biden, when he became president, stopped the building of pipelines, withdrew permissions to drill on federal land, made it harder for oil extractors to extract oil, and now has asked OPEC to bail him out of his own decisions. OPEC has refused. OPEC, in fact, has decided to curtail production to drive prices even higher. Keep this in mind. There is enough oil in the ground to lower gas prices and keep them low for quite some time. And the Biden administration has made a concerted effort to drive up the prices. What Biden didn't expect is the inflation would hit, non-energy price inflation would hit, and the non-energy price inflation and the gas inflation combined have caused things to be unstable, have caused prices to go up at the grocery store, have caused beef prices to go up astronomically and grain prices to go up astronomically because of transport costs, among other issues, and now needs OPEC to bail him out of his own decisions, and they won't do it. As gas prices go up, other prices rise as increased fuel transport costs are passed on to consumers. Meanwhile, there's a massive, massive supply chain problem in our ports. There are thousands of ships parked offshore waiting to be unloaded. That's causing a global backup because the ships can't be unloaded here and get back to their ports of origin. So those ports are starting to back up with goods that must be offloaded onto ships and the ships aren't there to offload. There's also a supply chain and personnel problem because we don't have enough people to pilot the ships. That's causing prices to go up due to shortages. No, no, no. Gas prices are not the good news for Biden. Neither is inflation. And then there's the Q poll. The Quinnipiac poll leans Democrat. No one disputes this fact. Democrats acknowledge it and Republicans acknowledge it. There tends to be a two to three point slant towards the Democrats in the Q poll. It's a poll of registered voters, which already leans to the Democrats by about two points. Then you have a Democratic skew of about two points. So it could be a four to six point tilt towards the Democrats at any given time in the Q poll. And keep in mind, Democrats and Republicans both acknowledge that this is so. It's not me mouthing off here. It's your average pollster who says Quinnipiac has a Democratic balance. And what does the Quinnipiac poll that leans to the Democrats say? Joe Biden's approval rating is at 38%. 38% of Americans approve of him. Only 23% of Americans support his handling of the border. 34% 
approve of his handling of foreign policy. 37% approve of his handling of taxes. 39% approve of his handling of the economy. Most damning, 55% of registered voters in this country say, quote, the Biden administration is not competent in running the government. 56% of Americans say Joe Biden, quote, does not have good leadership skills. That's the Quinnipiac poll. That's not the good news for Joe Biden. But there is good news for Joe Biden. Afghanistan, the inflation, the economy, the gas prices, the spending package, the border, immigration, leadership, competence, they're all bad news for Joe Biden. In fact, a lot of Democrats thought once those headlines passed, his polling would rebound. In fact, it's continued to get worse. Even as those crises appear to recede, Americans have held on to them. They fixated over them. So what's the good news for Joe Biden? It's October of 2020. That's the good news for Joe Biden. That's the only good news for Joe Biden. It's October of 2020, more than a year before the midterm elections. He's got time. Events change things. Events can change things. He can turn this around. He's not down for the count, but it's getting to be close. The Virginia gubernatorial election should be a blowout for the Democrats. Virginia has trended very, very blue. It's not even a purple state anymore. It's a blue state. And it's a tied race right now. If the polls are correct, we'll find out in a few weeks. The Democrats are acting like the polls are tied. Hispanic voters and suburban voters have tilted to Glenn Youngkin, the Republican. The Democrats expected the Republicans to nominate a hardcore fringe person they would easily run against. Instead, they nominated kind of a milk toast Mitt Romney type that really doesn't stand for anything, but he seems very likable. Joe Biden's popularity is so bad in Virginia right now that even Terry McAuliffe is saying he's got a problem because Biden is unpopular. If the Virginia race goes to the GOP, you will see the rats begin to flee from the Democratic ship. If McAuliffe pulls it off and it's close, you'll see a problem because it should not be close, and yet it is. What it all suggests is that a voter backlash has begun in earnest. All of the bad news really has faded into the rearview mirror. And yet, Joe Biden's popularity continues to crash. That suggests voter backlash is afoot. That's really bad news for Joe Biden. Because if a voter backlash is afoot right now against Joe Biden, those positions tend to harden as you get into the midterm year of 2022. But the good news for Biden is that it is October of 2021. There, With the exception of the Virginia election, there are no elections on the horizon right now. Biden can turn things around. The Republicans never underestimate the ability of Republicans to screw things up and snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. But that's his only good news right now is that external forces could intervene to help him look presidential because on his own, again, 55% of American voters believe, quote, the Biden administration is not competent in running the government. When 55% of Americans, including a substantial portion of Democrats, believe you're not competent and that you lack good leadership skills, the voters' opinions begin to ratify pretty hardly with the next screw-up.
If one comes, it's going to do in the Democrats next year, which is why they're rushing so hard right now to lock in reconciliation, and they can't even lock that in. The way we use the internet, well, it's changed over the last decade. Security tools have mostly stayed the same. Aura provides complete digital security to help protect your online accounts, finances, devices, and so much more in an easy-to-use app. Most credit card companies do a good job of protecting you against fraudulent purchases, but what if a scammer files for unemployment in your name or if your social media account's hacked? Aura's protection goes beyond your credit card. Between your photos, your finances, your devices, your connections, your world's more online than ever. You may have security systems in place for real life, but what about your online life? Aura can sound the alarm if your digital presence is at risk. They provide digital security protection. They keep your online finances, your personal information, and your technology safe from online threats. It's all-in-one protection for identity theft, financial fraud, malware, scam sites, so much more. With Aura, you'll get notified to fraud and threats fast. If your online accounts, your passwords are leaked online, someone, you're, you're going to be told by Aura. Like a lot of people, they won't tell you. Aura is easy to set up. All plans come with a million dollars in identity theft insurance to help recover stolen funds and experience U.S.-based customer support that's got your back. For a limited time, Aura is offering you guys 40% off plans when you visit Aura.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. You go to Aura.com slash Eric, again, E-R-I-C-K, you get complete protection, you get savings of up to 40%. That's Aura.com slash Eric, A-U-R-A dot com slash E-R-I-C-K. Hi there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425, if you would like to be a part of this program. Well... It is the 25th anniversary of Fox News. And, you know, Brian Stutler at at CNN is doing a um, not a happy anniversary for the people who blame Fox for the deaths of their loved ones. So ratings came out. Let me let me talk to you about ratings. Ratings are based on statistical samples. You divide up the population, white, black, Hispanic, male, female, and you give them little trackers that they use for TV and radio. Uh, With TV, it's a little easier because you can connect stuff to set-top boxes. With radio, you give people something called a little people meter, and it follows them around, and it picks up an undercurrent signal. You yourself do not hear with your ear, but this little machine does. And it statistically tracks how many people are listening, uh, the white people, the black people, the men, the women, all of it, uh, and gives you an idea. Uh, in Atlanta, Georgia right now, more people, according to the latest ratings book, are listening to me on radio than listening to anything else on radio, which is uh, sports talk. While the Braves are competitive, I'm I'm beating them. That probably actually doesn't say I'm very popular. It just says everybody's more disappointed in sports than me in Atlanta, which if you're in the Atlanta area, you know. <laughs> but TV ratings matter. It's what the advertisers pay attention to. And Wow. Uh, so Fox News' shows are dominant. Rachel Maddow used to be the bright spot for MSNBC. She used to be like the third or fourth most watched show on cable news. It's now Greg Gutfield. She is out, uh, pushed down, and the Fox team is dominant in the ratings. The closest CNN does in the top 30 shows is I think the 24th most popular news show is Jake Tapper. It's not good. Uh, nope, I'm sorry. It's 27th. 
27th for October 5th. The top shows are Tucker Carlson, The Five, Sean Hannity, Shannon Bream, uh, Laura Ingram, Ben Dominich, uh, Greg Gutfeld, and then number eight is Rachel Maddow. Then number nine is America's Newsroom on Fox, and number 10 is Harris Faulkner. You have to get down to 27. So what is CNN doing? They're attacking Fox News. Brian Stelter on CNN's Reliable Sources. For the families who feel they have been torn apart by Fox, this is not a happy 25th anniversary. Kind of tells you cause and effect there. CNN obsessing over Fox. Let me tell you about working at Fox. Uh, At Fox, I could be a conservative. When I worked for CNN, people would come up to me in the hallway and say, I read you. Thank you for what you do. At Fox, people say, hey, man, read what you wrote today. No, nobody, nobody was surprised, appalled, or anything. You know, I honestly would have stayed at CNN if they had given me a carve-out in my contract to protect me from radio because every time I said something on radio that anyone perceived as controversial, they were trying to get me fired. And I just wanted it in writing. They wouldn't fire me for anything I said on radio. Well, they wouldn't do it. At Fox, they didn't care. Roger Ailes didn't care. It provided a safe place for conservatives. And what happens now? Fox is the place, along with Newsmax now, where you can actually hear conservative-centered news and everybody else has gone even further left, and yet their ratings have crashed, and you would think they would reevaluate, but they won't. Americans continue to navigate through multiple crises this year. We the People, a Bradley speaker series, offers insights and ideas on the current challenges we face from some remarkable organizations the Bradley Foundation supports. Visit bradleyfdn.org liberty to watch their most recent episode. It features Stephen Suckup, author of The Dictatorship of Woke Capital, How Political Correctness Captured Big Business, an Encounter Books publication. In the episode, Suckup discusses the left's gradual takeover of corporate America and why the free market hasn't been able to prevent it, the dangerous impact of shareholder activism and efforts to push back on it. That's Bradley with an L-E-Y at the end, fdn.org slash liberty to watch the video. New episodes debut weekly. Go back often, subscribe to their YouTube channel to be notified when a new episode is posted. That's bradleyfdn.org slash liberty. Hello there. Can I have a parenting moment with you, please? Because, you know, I've got a teenager now and I, I've got a, a debit card. I let her use the with the cash app. So I it, it sends me a text message everything she every time she purchases something and I have to put money on the card. She just can't use the card it doesn't just draw from the checking account i gotta put money on it. it's the cash app and i actually really like the debit card that comes with it because it doesn't have your number or anything on it it's just your signature and she uses it and and i keep tabs on it and i'm sitting here and i get a uh alert that my kid has just spent hang on a second let me give you the exact amount 19 dollars and three cents at chick-fil-a I'm like, what the hell? Are you buying food for everybody in your class? She's at school. I know she's at school because we had a, a event this morning. She got into the beta club and we had to go to the induction ceremony this morning. So I know she's at school. Like what, 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 what in God's name are you? So I, I just texted her and said, what are you doing spending $19 at Chick-fil-A? The DoorDash fee. She had it delivered to school. Gosh, y'all, can I just tell you, parenting, parenting, I just, some, the, the, the joy, expectation, and hope 
that your children give you. And sometimes you just think, they're bleeding me dry. <laughs> okay, we can move on now. $19, the DoorDash fee. My gosh. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I got to move on to real comedy here. Dave Chappelle has a new comedy series out on Netflix. I have not seen it yet. I like Dave Chappelle. Uh, the reason I like Dave Chappelle, he can be very vulgar. I don't, if you are offended by bad language, never, ever, ever listen to Dave Chappelle. I grew up with a lot of sailors in my house. I'm, I'm very used to the bad language. On the golf course, I would make a sailor blush. I will admit it. I got to work on it. I know. Part of sanctification. I like Dave Chappelle. Here's why I like Dave Chappelle. He has got to be the smartest comedian in the business, hands down, period, the end. He has got to be the smartest comedian out there. Now, why do I say that? You, you watch a Dave Chappelle show. In fact, he did one in Atlanta, uh, the Fox Theater, the last Netflix series. Uh, if you watch him, he tells stories, and we live in the age of storytelling, People don't just want the facts. They want to be told a story along the way with the facts. And Dave Chappelle tells these elaborate winding stories that make you laugh and also make you think. And at the end of the story, there's typically a, a twist that you don't see coming. One of the things Dave Chappelle has done and been outspoken about over the last few years, however, is the rise of wokeness on the left taking the funny out of comedy. In fact, you know, there, there's that, what was that, Hannah What's-Her-Face, who had the, the Netflix series where it was not funny, and it was intended to not be funny. It was very left, very woke, and the woke said, well, comedy, comedy is no longer supposed to be funny. Comedy is no longer supposed to be funny. The definition of comedy, professional entertainment consisting of jokes and satirical sketches intended to make an audience laugh. And the, the Hannah, what is it? Gadsby, Hannah, what's her name? Uh, now this is going to, Hannah, Ga yes, Anna Gadsby. She's an Australian comedian, actress, and TV presenter. She did her, her uh, sketch on HBO, the stand-up routine, Nanette, and it was not funny. It was a uh, supposed emotional narrative. Let me, just, let me just read this to you from Netflix. They're not from Netflix, from Wikipedia. The work includes social commentary, especially about LGBTQ and women's perspectives and mental illness, evocative speech punctuated by comedy, and a motive narrative of Gadsby life, learning, and what her story offers to the world. And it was widely regarded as not funny. Mediocre. In fact, let me read you this quote from uh, P.E. Moskowitz from The Outline. Quote, it makes for boring, trite, and even dangerous art. In order to convey her trauma, Gadsby dismisses all of comedy, then use the uses of queer anger and the entire premise of self-deprecation as inadequate. Um, yeah, it wasn't funny. And yet, if you said it wasn't funny, 
you got attacked as being a bigot, as being a transphobe, as being a hater of, of the people with mental illness. Here comes Chappelle, who is actually not only deeply funny, but deeply deep. He weaves these stories together. He, he talks about race in a way that draws in white people who might otherwise not agree with his conclusions and winds up to some degree is able to persuade them with a funny story in which they laugh the whole way through and come to the punchline. And the punchline is maybe you should see the world a little different than you do. He's deeply thoughtful. I enjoy that. It is not highbrow intellectual comedy, but it ultimately is. You can take it with two levels. You know, so one of the, was it Augusta? I, I can't remember. Um, I think it was Augusta. Maybe, I can't remember. There's a famous quote about scripture that it is shallow enough for a baby to play in and deep enough to drown an elephant. And that's what I feel about Chappelle's comedy. It is shallow enough for you to be able to go in and find it hilarious without having to think about it and deep enough to overwhelm you in how deep it can be. I really do appreciate his comedy. I'm sure he and I would not see eye to eye on the world, but I find his comedy to be brilliant. And he is under attack by the wokes. Because he makes jokes, ah, yeah, you knew it was coming, transgenderism. Now, I have not seen this comedy sketch. I have two friends who have. One of them found it deeply funny and bold for his defiance. Another said he felt like Chappelle was surrendering. In fact, Chappelle says he's given up on talking about this stuff. I'll read you some quotes. He says, they canceled J.K. Rowling. My God. Effectually, she said gender was a fact. The trans community got mad as blankety blank. They started calling her a turf. What? is a TERF. TERF stands for Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminists. He says, I'm Team TERF. Gender is a fact. Now, let me read you NBC News. NBC News' entire article is designed to stoke the mob to go after Netflix for running his comedy series. Chappelle's comments drew a swift backlash. As a trans woman, I have usually defended Dave Chappelle's specials because I think they're hilarious and his jokes about trans women never felt intentionally malicious. LGBTQ plus rights activist and writer Taylor Ashbrook tweeted, The closer changed my mind on that fact. That special felt so lazy and disingenuous, and I'm disappointed. Dana White, a program officer at True Colors United, National LGBTQ Youth Homeless Program, tweeted, nothing Dave Chappelle says changes the facts that trans women are women, trans men are men, non-binary people are non-binary, LGBTQ plus people should live free of harm and discrimination. He's wrong, and Netflix has empowered him to be wrong loudly. One of the jokes Chappelle makes is that he wanted to negotiate the release of Baby. who I don't know who Baby. he's a, a rapper, I believe, who made sort of a homophobic joke about people living with uh, HIV and pointed out that um, people get way more upset about transgender jokes than they do about killing black people. So he says he's going to stop. 
he, he won't make these jokes anymore that he, he can't laugh if not everybody's laughing with him and that these people are not laughing and they're coming out to get him. They're coming out to uh, attack him for it. When he says, essentially I'm having my say and I'm done. And boy, they are, they are mad at him for it. Now this has come up in my house with my, with my daughter who has been asking me about why is it only the United States seems to have this problem and it's not. Now she reads news. It's news from the United States, but it is typically English speaking Western world that this is not as much a problem in the rest of Europe as it is in Great Britain. In Great Britain now, if you have a man who identifies as a woman and you call him a man, you can be arrested for hate crime. Same in uh, Canada. The United States at least has a First Amendment. These other countries don't. What is interesting, however, is while transgenderism is not exclusive to white people, it is predominated by white people and not just any white people. It is predominated by upper income, secular white people. Now, again, we're in most modernism and people look at the exceptions and say they, they are the rule. There are people who are neither rich nor white nor secular who identify as transgender. They, they certainly exist, but predominantly it is white, upper income and secular. Now, what should that tell you? That this is not something that happens regularly in Africa, in Eastern Europe, in Asia. It happens in New Zealand, Australia, Canada, the United States, Great Britain, Ireland to a degree, a little bit in France and a little bit in Germany, but not as much. That should tell you there's something going on here probably with upper income secular society, uh, that this is a, a social disorder of rich white people who don't have God in their lives. And you can't point that out because if you point it out, who happens to control the conversation in each of these countries? Upper income white people who are hostile to Christianity tend to be the people at the dominant echelons of the media. I mean, you guys, e even in conservative talk radio, I'm not talking about myself and my situation, but you, you look at all the other radio companies out there. The people who control it tend not to like it. I guarantee you that most of the people who are at Netflix are really pissed at Dave Chappelle for his comedy routine. The people at the upper, upper echelons of the media who own the conservative outlets in the country, they don't like them. They're ashamed of them. There are a lot of radio companies in this country that have conservative talkers on them, and you can just pay attention and you see they would really like to sabotage it and get rid of it. They're ashamed of it. They don't like it. They're making money off of you. But they would certainly be happy if it folded up and went away overnight. In fact, some of the companies out there are offering programming now designed to encourage your distancing from conservative radio because they don't really like it. Upper income white people who don't have Jesus, they tend to not like conservatives and they don't like conservative talk radio. And they tend to buy into craziness. G.K. Chesterton, the philosopher, Catholic, has a great quote, said, the danger of not believing in God is not that you'll believe in nothing, but that you will believe in anything. And we see it in society.
And the other thing we see with that is that the mob comes with it. And the mob is coming for Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle is certainly of the left in his worldview. He is black. He leans Democrat. He supports those causes. And now they got to come after him. But here's the higher order thing here. Race has been the dominant fixture in this country. And now they're coming for a successful black man because he insulted another of the intersectional groups. I'm telling you, it's done. I'm done talking about it. We got to both be sure we're laughing together. And until we are, I'm done. All I ask of your community with all humility, will you please stop punching down on my people? Is how Chappelle ends his routine on this point. Let me read you again. The way NBC covered this designed to stir people up, his comments only served to rile up black, queer, and trans people who said Chappelle failed to recognize that those identities are not mutually exclusive. The trans movement has invaded the space of women where we now have the term TERF, trans-exclusionary radical feminists who believe you actually have to have a uterus to be a woman. And now the men of the world are even better at being women. Laurel Hubbard won an award for being a trend-setting female sports hero. Bruce Jenner converts to Caitlyn Jenner and wins an ESPY award as a female athlete. Anything you women can do, we men can do better except have babies. And now they're coming for a black guy. I got to tell you, if you want to understand why culturally Hispanic and black voters are starting to leave the Democratic Party, and move culturally, conservatively towards the right, it is these issues when suddenly a percentage of people that amounts to about five-tenths of 1% of American society says, uh, we get to now dominate you and you must look up to us and you can't make jokes at our expense and we are in charge and you black man better shut up because you're successful, tends not to go the way they want it to go. And perhaps they should be listening to what Chappelle's saying. He doesn't care. He just thinks they care too much. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Have you noticed? Have you noticed? This is actually, I, I, I wonder if you have noticed. A judge has finally enjoined the Texas abortion law. Remember, it was going to be doom, gloom, despair. Roe versus Wade was overturned. It was a handmaid's tale. All the women were going to be trotted back to the kitchen and taught how to make sandwiches again. Didn't happen. And now a judge has joined him. It's remarkably quiet. You do not see pro-lifers blowing up, issuing fundraising calls, going nuts. Who knows what the Fifth Circuit will do? They may very well reverse it. I I have no idea. The judge wrote his decision very much sounding like um, there was going to be a fight in on the appellate level, but there just isn't a mass level of outrage from the right over this, like there was from the left. It's almost like it was an opportunistic level of outrage from the left at the time. 
Y'all, from the moment I sat in my X chair, my body said, this is what a real office chair is supposed to be like. I had, gosh, I had gone through office chairs and then I got my X chair and it is the perfect chair. In fact, my X chair, unlike your chair, can massage my back while I'm sitting doing three hours of talk radio. It can even heat up and cool down depending on my office, which tends to run hot in the summer and cold in the wintertime. And it's all in the LMX massage and temperature regulation exclusively designed for the X-Chair. And once you feel the customized support of X-Chair's patented dynamic lumbar, DVL they call it, dynamic variable lumbar, your back's going to be happy. What I need you to do, you got to go check out the X-Chair because yeah, I bought the, y'all know the expensive brand and I bought it. It was a good chair. It actually was a really good chair. And X-Chair takes it to the next level. What you need to do is go to xchaireric.com now. That's X, the letter X, chair, E-R-I-C-K.com, or call 844-4-X-CHAIR for $100 off your order. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort. You can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. It's xchaireric, E-R-I-C-K.com. It is worth it. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.